Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. The latest fear centers on one of China's largest private wealth managers. It has now missed payments on multiple high-yield products. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has the details from Hong Kong. Three firms said they failed to receive payments on products issued by companies linked to Zhongzhi Enterprise Group. The group manages about $140 billion worth of assets. The missed payments are likely to raise concerns over China's trust industry. Firms there pool household savings to offer loans and to invest in real estate, stocks, as well as bonds and commodities. The trust industry was once seen as safe, but is now a growing concern. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. One of China's largest property developers remains in the hot seat this morning. Shares of Country Garden are falling for a seventh straight day. The crisis at the company is deepening after units halted trading of local bonds. The situation at Country Garden underscores the challenges China faces in containing a property debt crisis. And concerns on growth in China are rearing their ugly head as well, Karen. On Friday, we learned that Chinese banks extended the smallest amount of monthly loans since 2000. That uh, news rippled through markets overnight. Bloomberg's Jill Desis in Hong Kong says the data paint a grim picture. It's that loan data that was absolutely horrific for China. You know, we've talked to a few analysts about this, had some suggestion that really it's that household data as well. I mean, uh, net household loans were incredibly poor, indicating that a lot of people are spending time repaying their mortgages. I mean, it's just another indicator, along with that really bad deflation data that we had last week, uh, that right now demand is incredibly weak in this economy. And you have to see how that's going to move forward. Bloomberg's Jill Desis reports there's also hedge fund news weighing on China this morning. The number of active hedge funds focused on the country has slipped for the first time in more than 10 years. Only five new funds launched in the first half of this year, while 18 were liquidated. Well, staying in China now, Nathan, Tesla rolling out a new round of price cuts in the country. The automaker reduced the price of the top-end versions of its Model Y SUV. The Tesla cuts sent Chinese auto stocks tumbling on concerns of another price war. Tesla's owner, Elon Musk, is making news on another front this morning, Karen. There has been talk of a possible cage fight between Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, but now the Meta Platform CEO says it's time to move on. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The Meta CEO seems seriously up to his neck in disgust, leading to the question, was this ever more than just an Elon Musk trolling expedition? Quote, if Elon ever gets serious about a real date and official event, he knows how to reach me. Otherwise, time to move on. He says he will focus on competing with people who take the sport Seriously, Musk has not said much since he reported he had neck issues. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Well, we want to update you now on those devastating wildfires in Hawaii. They're now the deadliest in the United States in more than 100 years. At least 96 people have died on the island of Maui, and that figure is expected to rise as rescue efforts continue. Hawaii Governor Josh Green also says monetary losses are estimated to be in the billions of dollars. 
2,200 structures have been destroyed or damaged. 86% are residential. In Kula, 544 structures have been exposed and 96% were residential. The losses approach $6 billion in estimate. In Hawaii, Governor Josh Green says the cause of the wildfires remains under investigation. And while officials continue to tally the economic impact of those fires, Karen, we're getting a new call on the U.S. economy from Goldman Sachs. The firm predicts the Fed will start lowering interest rates by the end of June. Bloomberg Markets reporter Valerie Titel has more. Now, the interesting thing about this Goldman note is their call for cuts isn't necessarily alongside a bearish view on U.S. economic growth. It's all just about the Fed wanting to normalize rates because inflation is falling back to target, right? And I think what prompted this call from Goldman was that weak inflation print we got last week where we saw the month-on-month figures really just being a second month in a row in line with the Fed's target, only rising 0.2% month-on-month, which would be annualized that. It gets us to the Fed's 2% goal. And Bloomberg's Valerie Titel says Goldman sees the Fed cutting rates by a quarter percent next summer. Nathan shares a U.S. steel surging more than 22% this morning. The company rejecting a takeover offer from rival Cleveland Cliffs and will begin a review of its strategic options instead. The offers value U.S. steel at about $7.25 billion. On the flip side, Karen, shares of AMC Entertainment are down more than 25%. The movie theater operators won court approval for a revised stock conversion plan. At the same time, AMC preferred shares, ticker APE, are up more than 30%. It's time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Atlanta is bracing for some legal chaos this week. The district attorney is expected to present a case against Donald Trump to the grand jury as soon as this week. Several witnesses have been subpoenaed, including former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan and independent journalist George Cheedy. They both say they will testify. And Gabe Sterling is a top deputy with the Secretary of State. If I I am called when I am called. I will go and do what I did before. I will tell the truth. Sterling says the truth is the state counted the ballots three times, and the end result is Donald Trump did not win in Georgia. He is accused of pressuring state officials into reversing the election results. Streets around the courthouse in Fulton County are closed. Armed sheriff's deputies are patrolling the area around the clock, and security measures are being taken at the Georgia State Capitol as well. The top Democrat on the House Oversight Committee, meanwhile, says he wants Congress to stay out of the Justice Department's business. This is why we have a justice system. Let's just let them do their job. He was speaking on ABC's This Week, Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin, referring to David Weiss being named special counsel in the Hunter Biden case. Raskin criticized Republicans who called for a special prosecutor and then complained when Attorney General Merrick Garland named Weiss. The Trump-appointed U.S. attorney for Delaware was already in charge of the case before a plea develop plea deal fell apart. A political science professor says mainstream support in the U.S. for political violence is actually on the rise. It's not just about Oath Keepers, Proud Boys. It is now breaching into the mainstream, and we're seeing the consequences of that. University of Chicago professor Robert Pape tells CBS's Face the Nation he conducted a survey in which nearly 50 million Americans believe the use of force is just 
testified regarding a second Trump presidency. President Biden is leading an administration-wide effort to mark the first anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. The president will travel to Wisconsin tomorrow and host an event at the White House on Wednesday. Democrats are counting on the landmark climate and drug pricing bill to fuel the president's re-election bid. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. It is 5.09 on Wall Street. Now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in Dan Schwartzman. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Dodgers have now won eight straight games. They knock off the Rockies 8-3. to three. Locally, the Red Sox doubling up the Tigers 6-3. to three. The Nationals sneaking past the Oakland A's 8-7. It was the Yankees losing to the Marlins 8-7. New York leading that game, in fact, 7-2 in the eighth inning. Meanwhile, as the Giants slipping past the Rangers in 10 innings, 3-2. Orioles in 10, knocking off the Marlins 5-3. Cedric Mullins hitting a game-winning two-run home run in that 10th inning. It was the Mets holding on to knock off the Braves 7-6. NFL preseason action. Four teams getting their preseason schedules underway. The Chiefs losing to the Saints in New Orleans 26-24 as the Raiders all over the 49ers at home 34 to 7 at the FedEx St. Jude Championship in Memphis Tennessee it was Lucas Glover winning it in a playoff got a chance oh singe the edge and Lucas Glover goes back to back including the opening leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs that's courtesy of the Golf Channel. Glover wins it on the first hole of the playoff over Patrick Cantley. Both finish at 15 under. Rory McIlroy, Tommy Fleetwood both at 14 under. Taylor Moore comes in at 12 under. Jalen Brunson goes 9 for 9 from the field. He leads the U.S. Men's World Cup basketball team to an exhibition win over Spain, who, by the way, is the number one team in the world, 98 to 88. That's your Bloomberg Sports Update. I'm Dan Schwartzman. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We're watching stocks move modestly higher this morning, with China making moves to deal with its worsening property slump. But concerns about the Chinese economy on a number of fronts could spark concern for investors this morning. Let's get you set up for the trading week ahead. We're joined by Dennis Gartman now, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. Dennis, it's good to speak with you this morning. We got the news uh, late last week that uh, private loans out of China had dropped to a more than decade low. Now we've got uh, renewed concerns about the property sector, this word of missed payments by one of China's largest private wealth managers. Is there a read-through for the slump that we're seeing in China uh, to the broader global market? One, one would think that there would be one after another. We're seeing one more problem after another. The trust, the, the commercial property uh, area in China, 
the banks are having problems, the individuals seem to be having problems. It's one problem after another. And I think that, that sh- this should have some bleed through here in the United States. It's been about a month and a month, almost a month and a half since we've seen a new high in the NASDAQ. Uh, we've been, it's been about a month since we've seen a new high in the Dow. It's been about a month and a half since we've seen a new high in the S&P. We seem to be breaking trend lines along the way. Time shall tell. I've been relatively bearish of the stock markets here in the United States and globally for quite some period of time. We'll see if that becomes if that comes to fruition. But I think that the the Chinese problems are now uh, on the front t- pages of the of the newspapers, on the front desks of everybody's uh, of every investment manager, and I think it's going to become uh, far more important over the course of the next several weeks. So yes, yeah. I think this is an important circumstance. It made the front pages uh, late last week when uh, President Biden was at a fundraiser. He called the Chinese economy a ticking time bomb. How would you characterize the Chinese economy right now? Well, I think that that's probably a little bit uh, too too frightening, but uh, nonetheless, it is disconcerting. Let's use that term rather than a time bomb. It's disconcerting to see one problem after another come to the front pages of the newspapers. Time shall tell. Well, what could the potential read-through look like if the, if the situation does get worse in China, if we don't see the, the kind of stimulus that it seems like the market is pushing for from the People's Bank of China? How could that redound to the U.S. Uh, market? I think, it's, I think it should be deleterious to the U.S. market, no question about it. I doubt it's going to be terribly deleterious, but I think it'll be I think it takes uh, some of the bullish enthusiasm. I, I, my own expectations is it takes a great good deal of the bullish enthusiasm out of the, the, the U.S. market. There will be talk about the United States moving to easing monetary policy. That will come to the front pages of the newspapers again. I think that that's ill-advised. I think, it's gonna, I think the Fed has made it abundantly clear that it shall be a, a long time into the future, probably late into 2024, before any sign of easing the Fed funds rate uh, comes to fruition. So I think it'll, I think it'll redound to the United States. I think it redounds deleteriously, but not, not dramatically so. Well, we did get a headline last night from uh, economist at Goldman Sachs uh, pricing in uh, the first rate cut from the Federal Reserve by the end of June of next year. It sounds like you think that might be uh, a little too soon. I think that's a little too soon. I think it'll be late into 2024 at the best. The Fed has been abundantly clear. Mr. Powell has been abundantly clear that it's uh, higher for longer and and for a much longer period of time. I think it's late into 2024 before we see any sign of a of a lower Fed funds rate. But uh, I think five and a half percent is probably as high as they want the Fed funds rate to go. I think we've probably seen our last increase, but it'll be a long time before we see a decrease in the Fed funds rate. Well, where do you see bond yields going from here if that scenario pans out? We've got the 10-year right around 4.15. It's been hovering around 4 for quite some time. We heard uh, Bill Gross late last week calling for 4.5. Is that possible? It's possible. I think it's highly unlikely. I think the most important thing is that we're going to see a a de-inverting of the yield curve. The, 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 the twos, tens have gotten over 100 basis points. Now I think it's about 72, 74, 75 basis points. And I think over the course of the next year or so, we see a, a disinversion of the, of the curve, but not, not a dramatic one. Uh, I think you're going to take the twos, tens, probably closer to 25 to 50 basis points over the course of the next six months to a year. And it's the, the, that rates at the back end come up rather than rates at the front end coming lower. Does that mean that you're thinking that the Fed could pull off a soft landing? 
<laughs> That's that is the question, isn't it? Hmm. I, I I think there's a greater probability that there will be a less than harsh landing. Let's put it that way. If, if it's a soft landing, the, congratulations to the Fed. It's a it's a very difficult task. I think it'll be a less than a hard landing. Let's put it that way. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio.